Welcome into another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready. Chris Landry here with me as well. We normally do this on Friday morning. Chris, kind enough this week to, I guess, return the favor that I extended last week. And so uh, this week, I'm the one that's got a Friday conflict. Last week, he did. So we're taping Thursday at noontime. Hope you're having a great week. Hope you have a great weekend. I got some SEC games to talk about. We'll talk about some other things going on. This Big Ten story, Chris, since the last time you and I talked. Um, and that might be the place to start, really, because it's this was predictable. Uh, first of all, how are you? Doing good. Uh, ready for another big football weekend. And, uh, yep, I'm concerned about the Big Ten, and I'm concerned about getting to the finish line of this football season, no doubt about it. And uh, so, yeah, I just uh, – in some ways, I can't wait to – not to get the season over with, but if somebody can assure me that we're going to get through a finish line, I'd be happy. <laughs> So I, I didn't even ask. I, I know that the hurricane went through on Wednesday night, did damage kind of all over the place. Did you guys get y'all okay? We were. The folks in New Orleans got the brunt of it, and the Gulf Coast, Mississippi, um, Alabama, Nice, and Mississippi had um, some issues, some damage. But uh, yeah, we've had uh, we, we we pissed off somebody because we got we had like. We have like five of them come through, but we haven't had, uh, fortunately, not a whole lot. It is a beautiful day, a cool weather. It's nice, but uh, obviously a lot of cleanup for a lot of folks in the, the deep southeast part of uh, the state. All right, let's talk about the Big Ten. You and I last visited on Tuesday morning. I think this broke later in the day. Wisconsin has COVID issues, not just the quarterback, but multiple people on the roster. They have uh, canceled the Wisconsin-Nebraska game. I saw where Nebraska was hoping to play Chattanooga this weekend. It does not appear that that game is going to be allowed to be played. Mm -hmm. Big Ten says no. Um, the Big Ten, we talked about this a lot in August, right about the time that we started the show, that the one thing that the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 – I guess in the American and the Sun Belt, maybe some I'm, I'm leaving somebody out, but if I am, my apologies. Those five leagues in particular said, let's do this in a way that leaves us with some room, some room to maneuver, some room to move things back. We've seen the SEC have a couple of teams, I guess Florida, Vanderbilt, have had some COVID issues that have led to some postponements. But here we are heading into week number six, and the majority, the overwhelming majority of the league is on schedule and uh, getting ready to play their sixth game or their fifth game or whatever um, on schedule. And they still have room. The team I cover, for example, Ole Miss, has an open date next weekend. Uh, they appear that the game against Vanderbilt will happen. And uh, they have an open date, and then they come back, and they have four games. They basically have five weeks, perhaps six weeks, to play four games. Reason to be optimistic that you can get there. The way the Big Ten did it, though, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I guess there's some listeners out there who may have forgotten or 2020 overwhelmed them. The Big Ten decided in August that they just weren't going to play. We're going to do it. Pulled the plug. Pack 12 followed immediately. And I think they thought that everyone would go along with them. And when they didn't, and then when it became obvious that the leagues that we just mentioned were going to be able to play, they'd started camps, and they were going to be able to play, and they were going to get games on, they went from being woke to weak. And they relented, and they said, oh, well, we're going to play. And they came up with a schedule that started last weekend that was eight games, so, right, eight games in eight weeks with no margin for error. And they had very strict, stringent um, COVID testing requirements that included a three-week quarantine for anyone who tests positive. And here we are. Wisconsin's got a three-week issue, at least with portions of their roster. They're not going to play this game. Uh, there is a, a – you know more people than I do, but I do know some Big Ten people, and there is a tremendous amount of cynicism and pessimism and, frankly, pissed-offism 
around that league right now that they are where they are, but here they are and running the risk of really looking like the villain, if you will. Um, I don't know that they are going to be able to get to the finish line with all of their teams. It's so difficult. And the Pac-12 starts a week from today when you hear this, I guess. The Pac-12 starts in a week with no margin for error. And, you know, we've done this a lot. No matter what you think of the SEC, we've we've talked about officiating two of the last three weeks with Auburn games, Auburn, Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss. We've talked about officiating. Got to give the SEC a ton of credit here, Chris. Uh, same for the Big 12, same for the ACC. They stuck to their guns in August. They felt there was a path. They knew it would be complicated. They knew it would be difficult. They knew it would be expensive. But they did it, and they gave themselves room. And they're not there yet. You know, you don't. When you run a marathon, it's trust me, it's not over till you get to the finish line. You never know. You might hit a cramp and mile 22 mile 23 ask me how i know and all of a sudden the your plan for the last two or three miles can get a little screwy but they're on path to get to the finish line and they deserve a lot of kudos for that and the people that made these decisions in august to shut it down and then relented on those decisions reversed those decisions and came in and said hey no we're going to play they deserve all the ridicule they're getting today well, they've left near themselves no margin for error. And let, let's be clear, and I'm convinced, and people I know, that the Big Ten came back for one reason. It's because of the threat of what was going to be uncovered under litigation. Once once there were lawyers that started to look around at the bylaws, then that's they said, uh-oh. You know, we, you know, so I think that was the impetus to get back. Uh, but because I think that if there was truly a desire to get back, I think they would have come back a little bit sooner. And, and I didn't I don't know that they would have put as many hurdles. Look, I think they want guys to be healthy, but I think it's disingenuous to say that the Big Ten folks and the Pac-12 folks care more about their players than the SEC folks. I do think that there's great emphasis on football in the SEC. I get all that. I also think there's some differences in the regions. I do know that they're colder weather. This applies to the Big Ten. Uh, we hear and understand, and from what I gather, is there's always the, the potential and the fear that you could have more positive tests as we get into the fall, which in the the South, we tend to not have much of a fall. In some parts of the Deep South where I'm from, <laughs> fall is like one day in November that we just say, hey, here we go. Today, we got fall weather. Yep. Uh, and we've looked like we have it for two or three days. We're probably going to have it through for the Halloweeners on, when is that, Saturday and for the Saturday football. Uh, next Tuesday, I don't know. It may be back to, you know, <laughs> late August weather. But so there's some issues. Look, it's it's going to be difficult, and my concern is for them is to get the season in. And so I'll go right to it with Wisconsin. That's a really good team. And this is, I think we'd be naive to think they're only going to miss one game. Uh, far as we're playing out of conference, Nebraska fought more than anybody did in the Big Ten about playing and playing non-conference games. That they, The Big Ten just said, we're not doing that. We're going to have a policy within the conference. And by the way, that's what the SEC did as well. So we're not – you're not going to play a game outside the league. You're not going to go and run the – they're just not doing it. So we're going to have to deal with, you know, Wisconsin team that I actually think personnel-wise is the best team in the West of the Big Ten, you know, they got a unique qualification to get into the play to the conference championship game there. But I would be most concerned about Ohio State, and I'm curious to see. A cynic would say they're probably going to do everything they can to make sure that they don't miss any games because that's the one team that can be a playoff team. Now, I get it. We got three playoff teams in my mind, caliber teams, and we got a race for the fourth spot. And we could see a team, a, another team out of the Big Ten that could might be a candidate for that fourth spot. But it's Ohio State that's intriguing to me because an unbeaten Ohio State, if they play their full schedule, will be in the playoffs. But if they only play five, four, you know, 
Ooh, that's going to be interesting. They may be the best team, maybe one of the four best, but that becomes ugly looking there. So stay tuned on that. I don't know how it's going to play out, but the reality is they do don't have any wiggle room, but they have kind of put themselves in this spot. And we're more likely to have positive tests, I guess, because the weather's changing, if that's going to be the reality. Well, and there have but, been, but they don't they don't have any games in in under their belt where the SEC and the ACC and other conferences they've got. In fact, I've already made my midseason SEC team, and you know you look at the Big Ten, they just got one game in, and it's it's going to be difficult to get their full complement in. They've had some spikes, uh, COVID spikes in the in the Plain states in the Upper Midwest. So you know that's that whether that's weather related or not, I have no and, idea. And Wisconsin seems to be as a state. They seem to be hammered. I mean, from what I understand is the hospitals are overrun. So it's if I don't know if this is anything, to, but, you know, you wonder Wisconsin football, positive tests, positive tests in that state. I mean, you wonder how this is going to play. I don't know. I mean, it's not like I have any experience with COVID stuff. I'm learning as we go here, but it's going to be difficult for the Big Ten. We knew it would be hope that there would be some luck, but. It doesn't look like we're off to a good start after one week. No, I agree with that. Um, yeah, it, it was my thing is it was avoidable from the Big Ten standpoint. I think you'll see a shakeup in leadership at the top of that league when it's over. I'm not pinning it on the commissioner, by the way, uh, though I don't think he can survive this. I don't, and I think there will be uh, there, there, there's going to be fallout throughout that league that that's uh, going to be profound. I, I, I really believe that. Talking to people, the people at Nebraska, very upset. People at Ohio State, very upset. A lot of the people at Indiana, very upset. A lot of those people were the ones who were saying back in August, if you do it this way, here is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. They have spent this weekend saying, hate to be the one that told you so, but told you so. Well, the football people, for the most part, are unhappy. And I will say this about that league. <laughs> that's different than the SEC is that it is definitely run by the presidents and, and the, the people higher up in the board. They, they have a little bit of a snooty attitude towards athletics and a little bit holier than thou. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a conference that is rich in tradition and football history, but it's also one that they really take a lot of pride. And I'm not saying this negatively, in their academic integrity to the point where they're very, very snobby. I mean, they got a lot of people that act like – I'm going to go ahead and take – act like a lot of Vanderbilts there. I mean, that's the way Michigan – that's yep. the way, you know, a lot of folks at, you know, at the at the president-chancellor level in the Big Ten kind of look at it. And, you know, I mean, I can tell you at Michigan, they think, you know, huh, yes, you, you know, you're – Football, you make money. That's paltry to what we make with our medical center. And I mean, that's kind of how they look at it. So I don't, th th there's a frustration level because there's a lot of disconnect, a lot more disconnect between the athletic administration versus the college administrators. Whereas I think in the SEC, they're more in line to say, you know, to, to, to listen to what the importance of athletics means to, to that. But anyway be interesting week it will be for sure speaking of interesting weeks it's week number six in the sec we did not get to these games in much detail at all on uh on uh tuesday because we were talking so much about frankly we spent half the show talking about officiating and uh remained a hot topic where i am it remained a hot topic all the way through the week lane uh, lane kiffin got got fined twenty five thousand dollars Went on a, a little bit of a, a tw Twitter barrage that uh, was really entertaining. I asked him about it yesterday, and he he and I shared a laugh. So um, it's been officiating's been a topic uh, in Oxford throughout the week, in much the same way it probably still is in Fayetteville to some degree. We're not going to talk about it today though, because we got games to talk about. Georgia, Chris heads to Kentucky. The fifth ranked Bulldogs have the one loss. They're still very much in control of their own destiny from a championship standpoint. They go to Kentucky that game noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central. You can watch it on SEC Network. 
Georgia is a uh, 14 and a half point favorite at the time of this recording. And again, we're recording on Thursday midday. Georgia favored by 14 and a half. What do you, what do you think? Well, I expect it to be a lot of defense. Um, curious to see what, what Georgia can do offensively. Definitely concerned in studying the tape of Kentucky. Just there's not anything to speak of in the passing game. And so I wonder what they might do. I wonder if they'll take a long look or, you know, we'll see what Wilson. I, I'm curious to see if they just start, you know, looking under the hood of Joey Gatewood, see what he can do and the run game, the throw game, what, what type of balance. They just don't have enough. They get behind in these games. They have nothing. They are playing good defensively. And when you study the tape, you don't realize how good until you study the tape that they are playing defensively until you realize they're just not getting a whole lot done on the offensive side. So they're on the field a lot. Uh, it's hard to run against them. Uh, they only, you know, given up 20 points a game, but that's that's enough, and that's going to be enough for Georgia to win and, you know, eventually pull away in the second half. But very curious here. It, it may be close. I think the point spreads like 14 and a half, 15. Yeah. might be closer than that. I think it's going to be a lot closer than that for most of the game, and we'll see maybe fourth quarter Georgia – pulls it away beyond that margin, but something tells me this might be a little bit closer, you know, maybe the 10 to 13 point range. It just, Georgia doesn't explode upon you. They just kind of wear you down and that's what they're going to do here. I think I was going to ask you about this because one of the things that I do when I look at games, uh, I go to oddshark.com and I'll look at their picks because they break it down. They have a computer pick. They'll tell you where the money's coming in, all that stuff. Their computer pick has Georgia winning a very close football game, like one to two points. Is there a scenario in your mind where Kentucky plays this within a couple of points? Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, because, again, I think if Kentucky can get a little bit going offensively, meaning just they're awful on third downs, just stay on the field and at least help their defense out, I, I think, you know, this Georgia team is going to play it close to the vest, and I think that they're going to eventually win it, but I, I don't see it a blowout. Georgia's like two of five uh, against the spread uh, in the last seven games against losing teams. Um, Kentucky's like four and oh against the spread, um, you know, uh, in, 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 um, in really good at home and uh, against the spread. So, and, you know, I, I think this game matches up if I were to look at it. In fact, I did it, and I did the complete breakdown on LandryFootball.com. I've got uh, Kentucky plus the 14-and-a-half. That's the number I had, and I think that'll probably be with the case. I think it'll probably be more 10 to 13, 14 points, but um, I think it'll depend on Kentucky figuring some things out. I think last week's performance, too, is going to get the Kentucky offense to try to really work and try some things in this game. All right, uh, Battle of the Tigers on the Plains. LSU hits the road. They head to Auburn. LSU is a – depends on where you, where you get the line. Two-point, three-point favorite at Auburn. 2.30, game on CBS, the national SEC game of the week. Uh, obviously, Auburn uh, escapes Oxford with a win last week. LSU uh, really thumped South Carolina. Gave up a lot of yards at times, but uh, – had a dominant performance down in Baton Rouge to get back on uh, back on track a little bit after their performance uh, at Missouri. You mentioned earlier in the week, LSU really kind of caught a, a COVID break, if you will, a scheduling break when Florida had to postpone that game till December. LSU was probably going to be in some trouble headed to Gainesville last week. They got a chance to work on themselves. It showed they beat South Carolina and uh, Auburn. Auburn's been weird this year. You know, they beat Kentucky. They escaped Arkansas. They lose at South Carolina. They escape Ole Miss. I think I'm leaving something out. Here they are with LSU coming to town. What do you think? A couple of things just jump out at me when I look at Auburn. Um, first of all, Bigsby is just outstanding. He's as good as any back I've seen this year. I'm right there with Harris. He's just outstanding. They're just getting no. Ask you about him. My friend JG Tate, who covers Auburn for Rivals.com, does a podcast with me called The Greatest Pod in the South. 
Jay compared, and Jay's been covering Auburn since 1998. So he compared uh, Bigsby to Carnell Williams. Says he might be that kind of back when it's all said and done. I don't mean stylistically and stuff. He means result. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I think they are different stylistically. I think this kid's better than Cadillac. Um, wow. Yeah, I think this kid's got more explosiveness to his game. Let's see him stay healthy and do it. Uh, I think he's doing a good job, and he's quite frankly making people miss at the line of scrimmage. I don't think they're playing well up front. It's a big part of the problem with Bo Nix making a lot of mistakes. Um, I just don't know. Yes, LSU's defense is still struggling. But Auburn's offense is not getting enough explosive plays, and it's probably going to come down with the way this Auburn's defense is playing. Let's remind folks it's a lot different than last year. Last year, this Auburn defense defended LSU's offense better than any team last year. This We talk about the great year that LSU had offensively. So one team that gave them all sorts of trouble and this is this Auburn defense. This is not the same Auburn defense, not even close to it. I don't think they can come up with another enough big plays. I Brennan is doesn't look like he's going to be available at all. Finley's going to play. Played well last week. I think it's going to be tough for Auburn to score enough points. With that said, um, you know, I do think that Auburn might be able to run the football successfully. And there's just something, this is kind of a, what I would call the experience factor. I've seen enough of these Auburn-LSU games. I don't know what it is, how it is, how it looks, how it comes out of the film room. Somehow, some way, and this will be great for the television audience, somehow, some way, it's going to be a three-point game. And somebody's going to do something. Somebody's going to have a dumb penalty, a mistake, that's going to give somebody a second shot and going to kick a field goal late or something. So I would say hang on to your seat, and I would say that the film says LSU's got a little bit more offense, take them on the road, probably going to get it done. Uh, that's what I think. But but don't be surprised if this is going to be a lot of fun. And I hope it is because we, we love these games for fun and enjoyment, and I think we're probably going to get it again. It's a big one for Gus. It's a big one for both. Because the loser goes on to like, oh, what a bad season this is. Gus has got more at stake. Gus has not played. They've won a couple of games. And look, I, you know, they're getting hammered because, well, they still, no, it ain't their fault. They, they were in these games and they played well enough to beat Ole Miss and well enough to beat Arkansas. Maybe they had some help, but lose this game. This is really bad in a very pivotal year for Gus. Whereas, you know, Ed is just going to get a lot of negativity and the staff will if they lose this. So I think it's it's a this ought to be a good one again and uh, should be a lot of fun. Yeah, this was the game last year in Baton Rouge where LSU had to work for it. And at the end of the game, Ford found the two big defensive tackles for uh, for uh, Auburn. And he was like, I told you both. First round pick. I told you both. First round pick. That's right, Tom. I, I thought. I thought Auburn lost that game more than LSU won it. And it was the difference. You know, we, we, again, you think about LSU and how they were the best at the end of the year. They're not there if they don't quote unquote, win ugly and find a way to win this. Cause this, that Auburn defense gave LSU's explosive offense, a ton of trouble. And, and I think LSU's offense grew from it. So again, you, you stay tuned every week. It's about, how you survive it, boy, LSU really kicked it in the high gear offensively and learned a lot after surviving the Auburn game. Um, so you got LSU. You got it close. For whatever reason, and it might just be gut feeling, I've got Auburn winning this one by three. But I, when I did it, I said, I bet I'm wrong. It just something in it told me that, like you said, these games get a little wacky in a fun way. It's a fun game to cover. I've covered many of them, and they're fun. And, uh, yeah, I, I expect a fun – CBS, this was the easy call for them to pick this one. So um, it'll be a good one on the plane. And, and, by the way, if Auburn loses this, I think they'll beat Mississippi State and, and maybe Tennessee. We'll see. They're not beating Alabama. They're probably not being, eight, eight, being 8 a and So, 
you know, this, this loss, like I said, really for the quality of life gain, Auburn, Auburn needs this more. So I, I don't know. I don't know what that means in terms of the game, but just some final thoughts on it. Don't know how much time we should spend on this one. It's frankly of, of the five games. This is the one that has the, the, the fewest storylines. Ole Miss hits the road. They go uh, to Vanderbilt, 3 o'clock game on SEC Network. The Rebels, as of this taping, giving 18 points on the road. Uh, Lane Kiffin's team, as he joked yesterday, uh, Wednesday, the most talked about one in four team in the country, in large part because of some of his tweets uh, about the pennies and such. But Ole Miss has played pretty well on offense pretty much consistently. They have improved slightly over the last couple of weeks on defense. Vanderbilt, meanwhile, Chris, has not played a game in three weeks. They've got COVID issues. They are a thin roster. No one really knows what to expect from them on Saturday in terms of who plays, who's the quarterback, all of those things. This feels like a a get well heading into an open date game for the Rebels. Yeah, Vanderbilt's very consistent. They're they're very bad on offense and defense. They're they are really struggling. They were in the last game out against South Carolina. They were one eleven on third down. They can't move the football. They can't really stop anybody. I have no idea what they were able to get accomplished over three weeks, other than maybe to get a little bit healthy. I, you know, um, I think it's a get well game. Uh, the Rebs get a couple of defensive guys back. You know, good. You know, get get some confidence and you know get Tisdale Hawkins back and just kind of get in Leonard. Just get those guys get a little defensive confidence and then you know offensively has a chance to be a very big day for them. So, yeah, yeah, no question about it. I I would say that I feel really good that they'll win and win big. And if they don't solve some of their red zone inefficiency in this game, I'd be really concerned. I think the Rebs win. I think they win big, wide margin, big. You're saying Vanderbilt, not only is she not pretty, but she's kind of yeah, like that, that, Yeah, she's, she's, yeah, she doesn't, she's not, doesn't have great personality. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those where you, 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 you hear the, you hear the skid marks out of the driveway, getting the hell out of town. Yeah, yeah, call me. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, not good. Yeah, not good. Yeah, no. All right. Uh, Mississippi State, they head to Alabama, the second ranked tide, undefeated, really playing well, uh, coming off of a big win over Georgia and then a blowout win over Tennessee. The Bulldogs, meanwhile, Chris, it sounds like a shipwreck <laughs> to feel a little bit from the pirate stuff. It, um, they're a 32-point underdog, and just about every person I know says, yeah, I'll lay those points. I think this gets ugly. What, we can talk about the game a little if you want. What are you hearing about what's going on inside Mississippi State? A lot of guys opting out, Kylan Hill done, other guys leaving. I've heard some specific things that, if I'm frankly, if I'm a Mississippi State fan, I'm a little distressed by it. Well, it's – I don't want to be overly repetitive and – because I like him, but but also know him very well. And we talked about it when we first started the show. This is Mike, meaning Leach. Um, again, when things go bad, it's not his fault. It's not, I need to make an adjustment. I need to look at it. It's all, you know, Mike is a guy that believes football is not about players. He thinks it's about him. He thinks it's about his Football is just a played on a chessboard, and when they win, it's it's a stroke of genius. He's got one of the best backs in the league, and well, he doesn't have them anymore, but he did. Um, so they've got issues there, just from the standpoint of Mike. Uh, and look, there are issues. I think there are issues at other places. I mean, I think there are issues like at Florida State. We got to clean up culture. I don't think there's a culture problem at Mississippi State. The culture problem or the culture difficulty is made by the head coach, which, you know, not a communicator, not really good, not really invested as much in the football as people think. And I think it's very aloof. And I think in a football-centric area where guys go there to be really good football players, you know, you got to – you got to – you got to understand things are going to be different. I actually think they've got some really good defense. I know statistically they're ranked number one. That doesn't mean anything. The tape, they play hard. They play pretty well. They lead the SEC in turnover margin. Uh, they just don't have any offense. Um, 
they don't have any ability to be able to stop people. They don't run the football. They don't do anything to help the defense, considering the fact they do nothing to help their defense. I got to give them more than an attaboy. Um, yeah. Don't have their quarterback. Got to find his quarterback. I get that. But it is it is not going to be good long-term with Mike. They will be pockets of impressive performances and surprise wins, but they're going to be just as many, if not more, disappointing losses and performances. They have more talent to have performed better to this point. They're, they are poorly prepared. They poorly adjust. And so that's the big picture issue. Um, 32 points is a lot of points. I do think this defense can hold enough to where, you know, I mean, I don't know how many points. I mean, I, I don't know that Alabama scores 52 in this game. I, you know, it may be one of those where maybe Mississippi state can score 17 and Alabama only scores 45. I, you know, do the math. Maybe it's, maybe it's not a 32 point game, you know, you know, I, I I would maybe I wouldn't be so comfortable and say lay the thirty two lay the thirty five or whatever it is. I think it's going to be a decisive win by Alabama. <clears throat> um, but I I see some real problems at Mississippi State, and I wouldn't be surprised if this team. The one thing that would concern me is as this team begin to start to, you know, let go of the rope a little bit and just give up on their coach. Cause I, I do think there are issues and they're not going to do anything with the head coach right now, but it's going to get, it's going to get real negative and it's, it's going to be real interesting to see. Uh, it's going to be an interesting off season and it's going to be interesting next year because I think people are going to the apologist form are going to say, Oh, this is going to be corrected. I, I don't know. This is going to be as easily corrected as some people think in Starkville. I agree. I agree completely. All right, uh, before we get to the other games, I want to tell you a little bit about some of the people who make this podcast possible. Jupiter Security Systems, they're based in uh, Madison, Mississippi. They provide your business with a help desk, allowing you to get software at a much cheaper price than you would pay going directly to Microsoft or the different cybersecurity services. Jupiter Security Systems offers businesses the full Microsoft 365 suite, Email, spam protection, and they monitor your workstations and servers. They don't see your data, by the way, but they'll know if malicious applications get installed on your computers. Jupiter can set up remote monitoring on a computer regardless of the location. So don't spend money on getting your employees' new laptops to work remotely. Instead, let Jupiter monitor their home computers, protect your data wherever you choose to work. Jupiter Security Systems offers cybersecurity and monitoring. It's ADT for your computer systems and data. It's very affordable, flat price, no hidden add-ons. For more information, call Eric at 601-519-9583 or email info, info at jupitersecurity.net or visit jupitersecurity.net. We are also brought to you by Blue Sky. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores. Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience. From services to products, Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all, and Blue Sky wants to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience. They'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any of the 48 store locations across the Southeast. All right, Chris, a couple of games we have not gotten to yet in the SEC. Arkansas, off of an open date. They head to Texas A&M, who is also off of an open date. The eighth-ranked Aggies and the Razorbacks, 630 on SEC Network. The uh, Aggies are a 10-and-a-half point favorite heading into this one a game that is traditionally played in Arlington it's moved to campus this year it was A&M's turn to be the home team moved to uh, College Station because of the pandemic if you want something to depress you for this week I'll give it to you Hunter Juracek the Arkansas AD would not firmly commit to moving this game back to Arlington next year despite admitting that that is their preference because he didn't know what circumstances may arise. So there. Happy Halloween. Arkansas at AM, 10 and a half point spread. What do you think? 
You know, when I look at this Arkansas team and try to look under the hood and see how they've done it, you know, it's it really is about the defense, and it really is about the prevention of big plays. The the It really is about their ability to defend the passing game very, very well. I was looking, and uh, the, the guys uh, that have stood out to this point, Marshall's been good on the defensive line for Arkansas. Both corners have played well. Clark Brown, uh, they've gotten good play at safety, uh, and they play good team defense. Um, they don't defend the run as well as they defend the pass. They've not beaten a really good team. And I do know that, that they, they obviously, you know, uh, we, we saw them play a, a good offense in Ole Miss. This is going to be a little different. I think they're going to see a little power and Isaiah Spiller. And, and, and I just talked about Bixby. I talked about, you know, and I mentioned Najee Harris has been outstanding. Spiller has been good as well. Um, they're averaging almost 175 yards rushing a game. He's been the key guy. Uh, that's exactly about what Arkansas has given up rush per game this year. Um, but they do force turnovers. I think the whole key is what can they do to defend the run? Jimbo, more than anything, while they talk about the great quarterback, at what he does, he wants to run the football. And so this Arkansas's chances lie with their ability to slow down the run, defend the run, get off blocks up front. Because if they struggle with that, you're not going to see them create the turnovers. If they can force AM to the air without putting the safety down in the box, then you know they can continue to force turnovers. Because Mon will throw some picks. The reason why they've avoided it is because of the run game. So I think that's the key. I, I think that this is a – we really learn about somebody in this game. I, I don't think this is a game Arkansas will win. I think it's a – by far would take their best performance of the year, Arkansas, to win this game. And it would be a huge statement because it would be a really good team that they would beat. And for AM, it's about, all right, you're good – you got the win over Florida. Now can you handle being favorites and taking care of business? I've said it. Jimbo has not lost a game this year, and I don't know about the point spreads, but he's not lost a game to an inferior team since he's been the head coach at AM. He's got the better team here. So is this going to be the first one, or does he take care of business? So that to me, that's interesting. I like AM. I think they're I know they're the better team. They're more talented. Um, this might be closer than the 12 and a half, but I definitely think AM wins it. And I think they win it probably 10 to 14. I think the point spread is kind of in line to where I see this game. If Gunda had, I don't know, maybe it's a 10 point AM win and we'll leave it at that. But I, but, uh, if, if it's not, I think it's a more decisive AM win. I'm surprised if, if Arkansas pulls this one out. Yeah. The, I've looked at it too. The only way in my mind that Arkansas wins this game is, they take advantage, and they've been able to do this some this year. They did it against Ole Miss, certainly, where they take advantage of A&M's mistakes, capitalize on them. You know, Mon makes a couple mistakes, and they turn them into points. That's that's probably their path. I just don't know that offensively Arkansas has enough to do a lot against Texas A&M. Uh, again, Sam Pittman, Barry Odom, and, and uh, Kendall Bryles and company have done a great job. They They have gotten pretty much every drop out of the orange, but I don't know that there's enough there to get this one. They've got an interesting game coming up, I guess, next week uh, there in Fayetteville. I've actually thought about going because I get the weekend off and I could go see my daughter. But uh, they've got an interesting game against Tennessee in, in Fayetteville next weekend that you might disagree, but I think is imminently winnable for the Razorbacks and an opportunity for them to really get some more home momentum where they have not won at home in a long time. They beat Ole Miss at home, and they'll. I think there will be a lot of energy there for uh, for the Volunteers. Well, there's no question about it, and you know we'll get into it more on Tuesday and Thursday, or Tuesday and Friday of next week. But particularly Friday um, next week, but that's a that's a really big game for Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt. Yep. And again, yep. the first year head coach, you know, beat you. That's a that's a big issue. But yeah, we'll get into the matchups of that. But yeah, the whole key is defending the run. That that's where. You know, if you have to commit extra guys in the box to defend the run, 
That's the little game within the game. Watch that, folks. That's going to determine whether Arkansas can have a chance to pull it out because if AM can run it, then and you got to put extra guys in the box, then you won't see the turnovers created. But if they can defend the run with seven, uh, which is quite a bit of a challenge, then then they've got a shot defensively to make this close. So, yeah, that's going to be fun to see. Missouri, the final game. Missouri heads to Florida. The uh, Tigers off to a really good start under Eliad Drinkwitz. They head uh, to Florida. Florida has had some COVID issues. We mentioned having to reschedule the LSU game last weekend, so Florida has had a little time off. It appears that they have uh, have recovered. 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central. This game on the SEC Network. Alternate channel, Missouri, a 13-point underdog against the 10th-ranked Gators. Yeah, I like what I like what I'm seeing in this Missouri team on on offense. Um, starting to get some balance. Uh, Roundtree is a very good back that doesn't get noticed a whole lot, and I think he's been good for a while. But because of their offense, because of their team, um, I think starting to get noticed now. Um, Baselock's really good. I just don't know what we're going to get out of Florida. Florida's a better team. Florida wins probably wins going away. Uh, but two weeks off during the season, this is not normal. It never happens. You don't get, it's not like a normal open date where you work some and you do a little bit of prep for the, the next week's game. It's done nothing for two weeks. I don't know what doing nothing for two weeks being forced to do it. I don't know what that does for Florida. I really don't know. This is a, you know, folks, if you like to get, you know, you may have a feel for it. You guess at this is one you you might ought to stay away from because I think this is a Florida cover the game type in normal circumstances, but it's not anything but normal. And I don't know what we're going to – it's all about Florida here. It's all about, you know, how sharp they are, how rusty they are because they're going to outscore Missouri and they're going to kind of pull away from them or there's mistakes and then you got a problem. I think Missouri can move the football on this Florida offense. So it could get a little iffy if Florida's, you know, not as sharp on offense and can't score at the rate that they normally do. I think it's going to be it. How much, you know, were they able to do coaching staff-wise to maybe simplify things, do some things on defense? Not a lot of guys stood out for, has stood out for me on Florida defensively. Cox says he's a really good player, but they've got to get a little bit better, but they've not been able to work a whole lot of that in practice. So – I'm a little bit perplexed with what we're going to see out of Florida this week because of the unknown of the COVID. Some other games around the country. I want to get your thoughts on on another story that's beginning to percolate, at least in the rumor mill, in a minute. We'll touch some other games real quick. Don't let me forget to do that. Uh, Kansas State, team that, if I'm honest, I'm cheering for this year. They've got uh, young running back Deuce Vaughn, five foot five Texas kid. His dad is a friend of mine. Oh. Talk to uh by the talk. way, yeah. I want to mention that to you because I did my some little notes. I talked about, you know, kind of look at the guys who's graded out the best. He's graded out along with Javante Williams of North Carolina amongst the five best guys at running back in the country this year. I didn't know you knew his dad. Yeah, his dad um, coached at coached at Ole Miss for Yeah, uh, but I and I, you know, I didn't know you like knew him that well. I figured you'd know him because I know his dad was a coach. So that's that's good. No, he is he's a real deal. He's played well. That's a really good team. And by the way, West Virginia, what a secondary. Their secondary has played well. The safeties are good, so it's going to be a real good matchup. But they like to run the football at K-State. Good yeah, matchup there. Should be a really fun game to watch. Um, the, the Athletic did a great story on Deuce Vaughn. By the way, if you have a subscription, um, I have nothing to gain here. I don't work for The Athletic. If you have a subscription to The Athletic, it's a story you should definitely read. And if you don't have one, it's frankly, it's a good enough story to um, – it goes well beyond football. Really incredibly well done. I think Max Olson wrote the story and, and did a great job. Kansas State, by the way, a three-and-a-half-point underdog that game in uh, in Morgantown. Beautiful time of the year in Morgantown, too. So that's a good game. Uh, Memphis and Cincinnati. Uh, the Tigers, a seven-point dog at Cincinnati. Cincinnati off to a really good start. They, they look the part, Chris, in terms of non-Power 5 teams. No, I think they're the best team in the in the uh, non-power five teams, and and you know let's remind folks BYU is not group of five. They're in the they have to compete. They're not 
going to get that group of five bid. They're they, they're going to have to earn it through the power five. Cincinnati's the most complete looking um, team in the group of five. Uh, they're really good. Um, I think Memphis is going to have a hard time matching points and playing defensively. I thought they had a good game plan against SMU last week. So that, that, that'll be interesting at home. Uh, Luke Fickle's done a really good job. He's a fast track guy. I'm curious to see if they hold on to him in another year. But uh, this is a good, this good Cincinnati team. I thought in the summer this was the best Group of Five team, and it's you know shown out thus far this year. Some other games of note: TCU is at Baylor, Notre Dame. Uh, speaking of Luke Fickle, I think that's the job that Luke Fickle would love to land one day. Notre Dame is at Georgia Tech. A twenty-point favorite. The the wreck has been just that. Uh, Indiana and Rutgers uh, scheduled to play. I don't know that, that game's still on, to my knowledge. It is, as far as I uh, uh, I know. I <laughs> I don't ever want to say. Stay tuned. We take we take these shows on Thursday. We, 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 we yeah. we're going to get some a lot of these tests on Saturday morning. I no, that, that's ugly if you get it. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Northwestern Iowa. Yeah, Northwestern's at Iowa. Uh, Northwestern, a two-and-a-half-point underdog there in Iowa City. That that should actually be a pretty fun game. I thought Iowa played pretty well last week. They just couldn't finish the deal um, against uh, who they put? Purdue. Purdue, uh, Purdue. Purdue really did a good job, and uh, Northwestern played great against a very hapless Maryland team last week. That's going to be interesting to see. I'm curious to see. Oklahoma State, Texas. I want to see Texas. Yeah, Corey, I want to ask about Chris. There, there, there are real rumblings. No, they're problems. Yeah, they're problems there. Yeah, in the college football circle, there, there are real rumblings that Tom Herman is in trouble. That Texas might make a change. I obviously just lost the great quarterback at South Lake Carroll yesterday. It was committed. Uh, Those things start to hurt. And then you know when you don't have success on the field. Um, you got problems. Now the whole eyes of Texas sing, don't sing. That's a no win situation for a coach. Mm-hmm. Cause he's got to back his players. If he doesn't back his players, he loses his team. He backs his players. He pisses off the administration, including the booster. So there is no winning that. And when you don't have the clout of winning, you really can't win it. So that's a, that's a mess there. There is no doubt about it. And he's not winning. And, you know, everyone says, oh, Texas, they got all that money. They don't like spending their money. And you talk about snooty and you talk about high and mighty academically. They that's Texas. They they Texas sees themselves as superior. They see themselves as Cal Berkeley academically that, you know, liberal, artsy, great academics. But they they also think they should be you know Alabama and they don't have a defensive culture. They got a lot of cooks in the kitchen there. They got more people that can write big checks than anybody, but they tend to not want to do it at times. It, it's a mess. They got somebody that was their own that they wanted that fit with it, and it's just not working. So yes, it bears watch. On the other side, the Big Twelve. Last hope is Oklahoma State. They are playing pretty good defensively. Yep. I would throw them in the mix of about eight teams that are contenders for that fourth spot. I'm not quite sure that they're up to that, but they deserve to be there to this point. They can run the football. They can score points. Jim Knowles is a really good addition to the defensive side, and, yes, you can play good defense. We talked about Kansas State, Iowa State. You know, this is the most complete team. But these, this game and the Oklahoma game are the games that, you know, they're the favorite. They should win it. There's expectation. Can you deal with it, Oklahoma State? So that's what I'm looking for in this game. How do they play? They're the better team, the more complete team, but how do they handle the moment? Let me go back to Texas for a minute. Uh-huh. Um, Tom Herman, let's say he doesn't make it. Uh-huh. There was a day that this was a big-time job, and it still potentially is a big-time job. How attractive is this job right now today in the coaching landscape? And then, you know, the the rumbling that has been out there a little bit that Urban Meyer would come back for this job. Do you do you buy do you buy that? And if not, who are some names that come to mind for that Texas job if it becomes open? It's still an elite job because it's Texas. 
it has tremendous resources recruiting wise, financially. Uh, you need to go in with the idea of kind of putting your foot down of how you handle the guys that want to be ultra involved, you know, with the program, but it's still an elite job. It is a job that would pique the interest of a lot of coaches. Now, when they go in and investigate it, they may or may not pull the trigger on going, but just about anybody would say, if you do it right, if you do it right politically, this is the best job in the country because it has, yes, it is from a coaching standpoint, it has everything you look for other than it's a pain in the ass dealing with some of those. If you can get that and you go in with the right guy, this is everything you need. You don't need to get on a plane. I mean, you, you can, cause if you're great, you can go anywhere and get great players. You don't need to leave your car. I mean, you need to leave your car. You don't need to get on a plane and you got great recruiting resources, financial, it's, it's got everything you look for. And it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it, it hasn't won because they haven't done it right. And they haven't done it right from an administrative standpoint as well, but the right guy will get it done. Don't buy this. Oh, Texas will never do this again. That's what they said about Alabama. That's what they said about USC. It's what they're saying about USC now. Pete Carroll, Nick Saban. No, no, no. You get it right. That'll work. Notre Dame will never be because as long as they are going to have those academic restrictions, their ceiling is about Brian Kelly's doing about as good as you can do at Notre Dame. At Texas, you can do it. You know, at Ohio State, oh, they're not, you know, John Cooper can. You can do it right there. It is one that would pique the interest. Uh, if Urban Meyer was going to coach again, He'd sit there and listen to this. He'd have to. Uh, if they went after him with money, somebody like Ryan Day would look and say, hmm, let me look at this. At least, if nothing else, a commitment. more of a raise. Now, I do think Ryan Day's probably his dream job is probably the coach the Patriots one day in the NFL. Okay. I don't think he's leaving Ohio State. For Texas, but it is one of those that would make you sit there and think and look. And I don't know if Urban, it's about Urban's health. I don't know that Shelly wants him, you know, to do it. And the system, the brain issue, I don't know that he wants to do it. But this is a place you would look at and consider. No, he wouldn't consider going to Auburn, but he'd consider a USC, consider a Texas. He would consider if he if he's interested in coaching and health wise, he feels like, you know, let me let me give it a consideration. Ohio State's at Penn State, uh, Navy at SMU, Oklahoma at Texas Tech, North Carolina's at Virginia. Those are some of the other games out there. Uh, Louisiana Monroe tries to continue its perfect season against Appalachian State. So there's there's some huge games uh, to be played. I saved the big one for the end there. Uh, we, we don't have enough time to really dive into all of the matchups there between ULM and App State. Certainly not to give it the respect that it that it so richly deserves. Except that App State's team is pretty good, particularly at the line of scrimmage. They are playing. They've got some talent there. How do they do in water skiing? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, there you go. I, I haven't followed the water skiing enough. <laughs> Uh, I'm looking for uh, looking for the NFL games of the week. I got, I hit, I did the make a mistake of Steelers, hitting Steelers Ravens is really intriguing. Your Bears Saints really intriguing. Yeah, yeah big game. Um, Seattle's got a bounce back at home. San Francisco's intriguing. The game that's lost its luster is Patriots Bills. Still with the AFC East you know, on the line here, but Patriots are struggling. The bills are really banged up on defense. So it's an intriguing game, but at this point, neither one of these teams are real big threats deep in the AFC. That kind of leads the way of San Francisco. Seattle's interesting. Yeah, that's what what I mentioned. I said Seattle at home coming off the loss, San Francisco, all the injuries like Seattle, but those games, it's kind of like the NFL version of, 
Auburn LSU. I don't care what it is. Those games are three-point games, and usually it comes down to the very end. I don't know if this one will. If this one comes down to the end, the, the, these these two teams play each other about as well. This gets the most, best out of both teams. I just San Francisco's dealing with a lot of injuries. Give me a little bit of a breakdown, if you would, on Saints-Bears. Um, I think the real key is, you know, the Saints' ability to be able to run the football and, and how the, this Bears defense will play well. And I think the Saints defensively, they've been woefully inconsistent tackling. I mean, I, I think this is a game in which the defense for the Saints have to show up and they have to pressure Nick Foles. Um, I haven't had enough time to really check into the weather. The wind will be a factor. Uh, cold weather will, will be a little bit of a factor, but the wind will be the big factor that could really affect it. Um, like the Bears a little bit at home here, um, but certainly I think being able to run the football, get some balance, if the Saints can get an early lead, then I think that really plays into the Saints' defensive effort. And that's it's the Saints will be able to handle the Bears' offense if they can make them one-dimensional. Uh, that's the real key, though. But the key to that is to be able to get to a lead to force that. The uh, weather forecast in Chicago on uh, Sunday, according to the National Weather Service, partly cloudy and windy, temperatures nearly steady in the mid to upper 30s, winds northwest 20 to 30, winds could occasionally gust more than 40 miles per hour. So that, That'll be an issue for the passing game for the Saints. You know, mainly it's affecting what they do. Running the football, I'll emphasize, going to be critical for the Saints' success here. The Monday night game, uh, by the way, is the uh, Bucks at the Giants. The Giants one and five, yet only a game and a half out of first place. The NFC East. Oh man! And then that's that's following up the Titanic tilt of Sunday night with the Cowboys and Eagles. So, Ooh. you know, uh, no, the team you got to watch for this week in the East, without question, is the Washington Football Team because they got to buy. So they'll sit there and move up. <laughs> I mean, somebody's got to win the Dallas Eagle game, but um, <laughs> God bless them. Uh, and Dallas off the t- rough week that they've had uh, off the field, in the locker room, yada, yada, yada. Uh, yeah, Eagles win at home here. They'll be sitting there and they're like, hey, look, this is this is us. We're good. That's, that's, that's a mess. Bucks looking like a Super Bowl contender all of a sudden. They're playing good defensively. You know the Brady effect. Um, they look like the most complete team right now than the Saints, and I'm very curious to see that Week Nine game is when Antonio Brown, if he doesn't, um, you know, talk or act himself off the roster by then, that'll be his debut. <laughs> uh, no, this Buck team's pretty good, and 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 I think Brady says a positive effect. But the story there is the defense, and if they can ever get Leonard Fournette who's really a knucklehead, uh, healthy and focused, they could even take their game up. they got two knuckleheads. They've got Leonard Fournette, who's a different type of knucklehead than Antonio Brown, but those are two guys that can really help this team uh, going forward. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and then the other game that has some interest, just because it's his, I, th- I think it's his debut, unless I missed something, this is Tua Tungvaloa's debut. For yes, the, sorry, the, yes, it is. It is the debut. They entertain the Rams. That game is a, uh, a noon Kick mm-hmm. in Miami, one o'clock Eastern. The uh, the Rams are three and a half point favorite at Miami, which went ahead and made the decision to make a change and and start the Tua era. Yeah, and it wasn't because they're out of the playoff race, right in the thick of the playoff race. And Fitzpatrick played has played very well. Tua's their future. Had the bye week, as you mentioned, trying to get Tua ready. Um, it's going to be interesting because you know this is. Uh, in fact, I'm working right now on the uh, the the scouting report up on LandryFootball.com. By the way, check out all the scouting previews from the film room. Uh, this is this is going to be interesting. This Ram team has been very up and down. Good Rams, bad Rams. This is going to be interesting. Going to have to block Aaron Donald here, which is very, very difficult. And getting into the face, Tua's going to test that health and that mobility here because he's going to be running something this week. i tell you what, that Aaron Donald, man, is something else. He is – uh. I'm not telling anybody anything they don't already know, but he is an absolute beast. He he single-handedly gave the Bears just fits on uh, Monday night. 
Look, right. he's he's graded out as the best player in the league for about three or four years. And you, you you could pick anybody to start a team. You got to go with Patrick Mahomes. You got to go with the quarterback. This guy grades out the best and has for five years in a row for me. We'll come back on Tuesday. We'll talk about uh, what happened around the SEC and elsewhere. And uh, we'll be uh, here's what we can promise you for one hour on Tuesday. We'll be a, a reprieve from uh, all the election coverage. It'll be a big day, obviously, in our country, but we'll we'll talk football, give you a, a, a mental break from it. There are four games next week in the SEC. That's it. Not a, not a lot going on, but there are some interesting ones. Texas A&M goes to South Carolina. We mentioned Tennessee and Arkansas. That game's in Fayetteville. Florida is at Georgia. That's the CBS game at uh, 3.30, 2.30. And then uh, Vanderbilt heads to Mississippi State at 3 o'clock game on uh on the sec network i think next year's next week is the masters is that right something like that uh is that next week and is that november 7th are we already there yet or is that the two weeks from i think it's two weeks <clears throat> yeah so we'll, yeah we'll, yeah we'll, no. we'll just we'll get you set up for those four games and we'll talk other other storylines pack 12 starts next week so there'll be a lot for us to get to for uh chris landry i'm neil mccready that does it for this edition of sec football and beyond don't forget you can uh, follow me at Neil McCready. You can follow Chris at Landry Football. Check out all of his previews, pro, college, everything at his site, LandryFootball.com. Until Tuesday, have a great weekend. Stay safe. Take care.